Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, each year a survey is conducted in late May through early June to track the movement of pea leaf weevil throughout Saskatchewan. Provincial insect specialist James Tansy says the pest is on the move, with northern and eastern Saskatchewan experiencing the worst infestations. And a new pulse processing plant is coming to Saskatchewan. Louis-Dreyfus Company announced a new pea protein isolate production plant at the same site as its canola crush facility at Yorkton. With construction slated to begin in 2024, it should be completed by the end of 2025 and will employ about 60 people. Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Executive Director Carl Potts talks about the new plant and the importance of having secure domestic markets for Saskatchewan peas. After the break, James Tansy. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. James Tansy is a provincial specialist for insect and vertebrate pest management. We're going to be talking about the 2023 pea leaf weevil survey map that's been released in Saskatchewan. So James, uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about uh, what you found out. This animal is actually invasive, uh, so it uh, it's found its way into Saskatchewan. It's been here for uh, for uh, some time, about twenty years now, and it's worked its way north and it's worked its way east, uh, so that it's now found in Manitoba, albeit at relatively low uh, low numbers. Uh, we do conduct an annual survey for this uh, for this insect, and uh, uh, this is co- uh, conducted typically in May, and we're looking for notch feeding associated with adults in uh, field pea. Um, it. Uh, it will feed on field pea and it will feed on faba. Those are the two, uh, what are called true hosts. So that is the larvae can actually complete development in those, in those plants. Uh, but they will feed on a number of different legumes as adults for uh, for uh, uh, protein and energy sources. But yeah, they can only complete development crop wise in those in those two crops. Uh, so we do conduct a survey annually for this. Uh, across the province, uh, in, in collaboration with uh, with Ag Canada and our regional specialists and uh, the SARM uh, plant health technical advisors, as well as uh, as well as with industry, um, so Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. Um, what we found uh, uh, um, this year was uh, uh, an elevated presence of the pea leaf weevil. Uh, in the Battlefords uh, and uh, regions thereabouts, so uh, northern regions and uh, eastern regions, uh, saw an increase in prevalence of, uh, of uh, adult pea leaf weevil. Uh, we also pressed a little further north in our 2023 survey, and our plan is to do so in 2024 as well. Uh, and we found elevated populations uh, as far north as we uh, as we pressed in the, in the northeast. Now explain to us about the pea leaf weevil itself. Is it something that's fairly easy to uh, spot? They're relatively easy to identify. They're, they're about a four millimeter weevil. Uh, they, they will fly in the spring and again in the fall, but typically you're gonna see these animals uh, just trundling along in, in uh, along the ground. Uh, so really characteristic uh, uh, gray, somewhat scaly looking body with, uh, with light uh, 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 stripes on them. Uh, so they are relatively characteristic, but uh, uh, an important consideration is they're not the only members of the genus uh, in the pyramid. So there are 
are other cytona weevils, so cytona is the genus, uh, that they can be mistaken for. Um, so it's uh, um, uh, good to get, if you have any questions, to, to, to forward a photograph to myself or to the Crop Protection Lab, and, and, and I'll, get, uh, I'll get, my, uh, uh, get a look at it um, and be able to, be able to identify, identify it from, uh, or at least get, uh, uh, pardon me, get it identified from that. Uh, you can also contact Megan Van Kosky with Agriculture Canada in Saskatoon. Uh, she's done considerable work on pea leaf weevil and, uh, and could uh, certainly lend a hand on that. But, yeah, if you have a question about identi identification, you know, contact myself, Crop Protection Lab, or, or Megan. And what kind of life cycle does the pea leaf weevil have? Uh, annual. So they have uh, one generation per year. They overwinter as adults, uh, and they're going to be looking for areas like shelter belts or sheltered uh, sheltered berms, grassy area, typically areas uh, that are going to accumulate some uh, some snowfall. They're not terribly cold hardy. So uh, so they uh, uh, um, some of the modeling that I did uh, a few years ago suggested that uh, there could be uh, an impact of, uh, of snow accumulation on their survival over winter. Um, and uh, Megan is looking at soil moisture right now uh, experimentally to determine if there's an effect with that um, so um, uh, um, yeah so uh, one generation per year they're going to leave these overwintering sites and they can engage in what's called uh, an early season uh, mass flight uh, although typically they're going to move by walking or, or short flights but they can engage in this mass flight uh, and they're going to be seeking out plants in the Fabaceae so so you know leguminous plants to to feed on uh, so once again to uh, to uh, uh, you know get their energy stores up and and, and protein and and get enough nutrients to uh, to uh, make for uh, uh, egg production they're going to mate shortly after they begin feeding and then they're going to start and then they're going to start seeking uh, true hosts, so that is areas to, to lay their eggs. They're a little unusual in that they don't lay clutches of eggs. They, uh, females typically deposit individual or small numbers of eggs, you know, as she's wandering the wilderness. So she's just walking along the ground, dropping individual eggs, and she can keep doing that for a couple of months. Uh, these eggs are going to hatch up. They're going to find their way into the rhizobium nodules of their true host, so either faba or field pea, and that larva is going to going to going to munch away on the rhizobium inside inside that uh, inside that nodule. So that's really what causes the yield impact with those crops, uh, is uh, inf influence of, uh, of nitrogen uh, fixation. So from there, it's uh, the, the animals will complete their development and uh, uh, form a a. a uh, a subterranean uh, 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 pupil cell, complete their development to adulthood, and then pop up later in the summer, typically, you know, July, uh, and uh, and uh, uh, look for overwintering sites from there. So they're going to fly back to some of those sites where they where they overwintered. So let's talk about economic threshold and uh, what producers need to know as far as control of pea leaf weevils. Yeah, so economic threshold for pea leaf weevil, and this is associated with the adults, uh, is uh, is two to three uh, at the two to three node stage, uh, with uh, one or more feeding notches appearing on thirty percent of the clam leaf. So the clam leaf, of course, is that terminal leaf. Um, uh, so 
There are recommendations for chemical control, but we typically don't advise it as uh, as part of our extension messaging. Uh, reason being is uh, some of the work done uh, by Megan and by Hector Carcamo at uh, Agriculture Canada in Lethbridge uh, uh, didn't indicate a clear relationship between foliar uh, sprays that is controlling adults and yield benefits. And, and I suspect Part of the reason for that may be by the time adults and feeding are detected, uh, the jig is up. Like a, a large number of eggs have already gone down, and you're going to see see the, uh, uh, the yield effects of those. But uh, at this point, we don't recommend chemical control or foliar sprays for adults. Uh, the best control method is uh, if you're in a region that uh, is looking like it's going to see uh, significant peat leaf weevil pressure, uh, and uh, it looks very much like uh, you know northern pulse production regions and eastern pulse production regions all the way down to the U.S. border uh, will experience these. Uh, growers should consider um, purchasing seed with a thymethoxam uh, seed dressing. So James, does the pea leaf weevil have any natural enemies? Absolutely. Yeah, no, there, there are lots. Uh, we don't have any specialists, so, so this is a, an invasive species. Uh, we don't have an, a, a, an effective um, uh, biological control agent that was targeted for release in uh, in North America uh, that is ha- that is affecting populations in any great way, uh, but they are still munched on by wolf spiders and crabbed beetles, so those predaceous ground beetles, you know, any generalist predator that uh, that can uh, that can clobber them, uh, and that's that's a whole host of different animals. So, uh, yeah, all your gen- all your general generalist arthropod uh, predators uh, have pea leaf weevil on their menus. Maybe give us some tips on how to minimize the impact of the insect. Uh, yeah, there there has been some some indication about uh, about um, uh, the addition of uh, uh, inoculation. Uh, so inoculation can be impactful, as I mentioned. The seed dressings can be impactful, and the addition of fertilizer can be uh, can be impactful on improving yields. And do you have any other additional advice for producers? For growers in northern regions and eastern regions, I think you know just to uh, to keep an eye out for further damage and uh, for them to uh, uh, look up our uh, our survey sign up uh, page. Uh, we rely entirely on permission to access lands, and uh, if growers uh, are curious about what's happening in their area, the best way is to get a hold of us or sign up uh, on our sign on our uh, online sign up sheet uh, to uh, to allow us access so that we can survey for this uh, this insect and for a number of other insects and uh, have a good uh, handle on what's happening with their populations. Thanks James. James Tanzi is the Saskatchewan specialist for insect and vertebrate pest management. After the break, Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Executive Director Carl Potts talks about the announced pea protein isolate production plant to be built in Yorkton. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Carl Potts is the Executive Director of Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. Carl, very exciting news with the announcement of uh, pea protein isolate facility that's going to be built at Yorkton next to Louis Dreyfus's existing canola processing plant. So I guess, first of all, your reaction to that news, because it's always exciting to see these uh, new processing facilities being uh, built in Saskatchewan where a lot of pulses are grown. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, for many years, we've been doing a lot of the 
you know, the background work to try to increase demand for pulses and pulse-based ingredients and, you know, and yet another, uh, you know, announcement and, and investment in a significant P uh, processing plant in Saskatchewan is, you know, is positive news. We, you know, we've done a lot of work to try to diversify, you know, demand. We're very reliant on export markets for for pulses and, uh, and building some more demand uh, here within Canada and within Saskatchewan is, is positive news for Saskatchewan growers. Now, I understand that you don't um, know what Louis Dreyfus's operating plans are, but maybe you could start off by explaining to us what a pea protein isolate production plant is and uh, what types of products we'll see coming off the line. Yeah, basically, uh, you know, and many companies do this is they, uh, you know, they take whole peas and they fractionate them into their component parts. So typically pea protein, pea starch and, and pea fiber, and then, uh, you know, then sell and market those ingredients to, you know, largely to food companies, but to the pet food companies and, you know, and for in industrial uses as well. So, um, you know, the, again, without no, knowing uh, details of, of their, uh, their specific plans, typically, um, you know, looking to add value to the, you know, to the peas by, by marketing their, uh, their component parts. For the Saskatchewan producer, it's very important to have these domestic uh, processing facilities or sources uh, because we see China, while a big market at times, it's not totally reliable and it looks like they're looking north for potential pea supplies in the future. Yeah, there's many things going on in the in the pea market and, and things that have happened over the, the last five or ten years as well. Um, you know, many growers will know that uh, India used to be a very major market for us for uh, for peas, and and really we've been shut out of that market until just very recently. So you know, China has been a very important market over the last number of years. With uh, you know, in, in some cases, eighty percent of our exports going to to that one market. That's been very positive for Saskatchewan growers over that time period. But we know that that uh, results in a lot of uh, a lot of risk when you have all of or most of your production going to just one market. So a lot of work uh, from our set of things to try to diversify that demand, you know, and, and really build you know, some more, more demand for uh, protein ingredients and, and other things there. So that's, you know, that, that's the positive side of, of more domestic processing is that we, you know, we help to diversify our markets, but then we also uh, help to take some of the, you know, the constraint off of our, our uh, constrained West Coast uh, supply chain exports through Vancouver um, and other West Coast ports uh, are sometimes constrained. So th- that's beneficial as well. The thing about pea protein is that it's not something that you find on your grocery store shelves as a standalone product, but it can be found in many, many other foods. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's right. It's uh, it, you know, it's an ingredient that goes into into many other things. So, you know, when uh, when people buy protein supplements, for example, uh, you know, there's many sources of protein there. But um, you know, some pea protein goes into into uses there. But in, like into many food products that are incorporated just as as one uh, you know one ingredient. So again, not not things that people typically buy too much uh, directly off the, the shelf, but become an important ingredient in many, many uh, food products. 
So many food companies are incorporating uh, pea protein and, you know, and other pulse products for a few attributes, one for the health and nutrition attributes to be able to increase protein, increase fiber, uh, res- re- reduce glycemic index of, uh, of foods in some cases, but also in many cases for the sustainability benefits. So, you know, the very positive uh, production practices that we have here in Western Canada and in Saskatchewan in particular that growers already use are, are some of the reasons that, uh, that food companies and others are are moving more to, to pulse-based products because they can, um, you know, they can capitalize on a very positive environmental um, benefit uh, that's really due to Saskatchewan farmers' production practices. Carl Potts is the executive director of the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers, and we've been talking about a new pea protein isolate production plant that will be built uh, by uh, Louis Dreyfus Company in Yorkton. Here are the top agriculture stories for the week of February 5th, 2024. Roughly $89 million will go towards 49 projects across Canada under the Supply Management Processing Investment Fund. Through this, dairy, poultry and egg processors are able to purchase and install new automated equipment and technology. Project examples include milk pasteurizers, ultra-filtration systems, robotics for packaging systems and new machines for grading and setting eggs. A researcher with the Western College of Veterinary Medicine said the use of AI to assess animal welfare is offering an opportunity to eliminate human error and bias during assessments. Dr. Martina Lagoda said measuring welfare of animals is a complex task and often involves subjective indicators, which means there is a lot of potential for bias and human error. She said there are animal-based indicators of welfare which are visible on the animal's carcass throughout the pig's life, and these are used as the scoring targets of an automated system. CN and CPKC Rail supplied a combined 77% of hopper cars ordered in week 26, an improvement from the 58% order fulfillment seen in week 25. CN saw performance rebound somewhat from the 52% order fulfillment. CPKC performance also improved with the railway supplying 77% of shipper orders in week 26, an improvement from 65% the previous week. Overall performance for both CN and CPKC remain below the 90% threshold for the second consecutive week. Health Canada gave the green light to an Israeli company's milk protein made without cows. It's the first producer of animal identical protein to receive a no-objection letter from Health Canada. Remilk produces BLG or beta-lactoglobulin, the main whey protein in milk, without any cows through a fermentation process that involves genetically modified microbes. The company says it can produce milk, ice cream, yogurt, cream cheese and more at scale with the same texture and taste as traditional dairy. Remilk markets the product from its protein as being uh, free of lactose, cholesterol and growth hormones while leaving a smaller environmental footprint. G3 Canada renewed its partnership with the Port of Quebec for another 30 years. After more than 50 years, the collaboration between G3 and the port will continue to be a hub for agri-food exports in eastern Canada. The Quebec City Terminal is ideally located because of its proximity to agricultural producers in eastern Quebec and for receiving ships through the St. Lawrence Seaway.
Saskatchewan's agriculture industry posted a fourth consecutive year of record agri-food exports with shipments totaling $20.2 billion for 2023. The leading agri-food export commodities in 23 were non-Durham wheat, canola seed, canola oil, Durham, lentils and canola meal. The top five international market destinations were the United States, China, Japan, Mexico and Algeria. Saskatchewan's exports have grown by more than 52.1% since 2013. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, tell your friends, and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.